today on CityCast Madison. Dane County is one of Wisconsin's fastest growing counties and economies. We're home to state government and the state's flagship university and to more farmland than just about any other part of the state. With thousands of employees and nearly a billion dollar budget, Dane County is the largest local government outside of Milwaukee. For more than a decade, Joe Parisi has led it, but he's retiring in May. Today, we speak with County Executive Joe Parisi about why he's retiring now, his record in office, and what he's learned along the way. It's Monday, November 13th, and here's what Madison's talking about. Executive Parisi, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So not counting Milwaukee, you're the executive of the largest local government in Wisconsin. How would you describe your job? Boy, it's it's hard to sum up. It's an amazing job. It, it's really, I think, one of the best jobs a person could have in public service. Um, there are just, as you know, there are so many areas that you can have a, a positive impact. And, and for someone who who likes to be involved and cares about a lot of different things. It's really just, it's, it's, it's a dream job. So what would you say is your most important responsibility? You know, it's really the, <laughs> I guess 30,000 feet. I see it as the overall well-being of the community, you know, and that obviously touches on a lot of areas from, you know, social issues to watching out for the vulnerable folks among us to watching out for the, the the climate and the environment in which we all have to live. It's just all encompassing. And then obviously when there are emergency situations or anything from a natural disaster to the pandemic, um, it's to step up and do everything I can and our team, my team can do to make sure that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Mayor has a nice ring to it, but executive uh, is a little, I guess you kind of think of like a, a company or something, but you really are, managing all these important agencies for the county, right? Yeah, it's a massive organization, really. I mean, you know, the, the budget I just introduced is close to a $900 million budget. There are you know 2,500 employees, 30 departments. We contract with hundreds of community partners. And, you know, as we touched upon a little bit, we, you know, we, we, we are in every area of the community, not only literally with the, the departments, with what we're doing, but we're also always partnering and working with and, and coordinating with all of the local municipalities and school districts, et cetera. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, and for the you know right personality, it's a perfect fit. And for me, you know, from my perspective, it was a great fit. What's something maybe people don't know about the job that they should? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, because a lot of the things maybe people do know, I mean, this is a 24 7, 365 job. You are always on call. You are always involved. If something goes on in the middle of the night, the phone rings. If there is, um, you know, there's just so much to do. Um, so we have like, like a lot of units of government specific prescribed duties, right? Um, a lot of those in the, in the human service area, highway, et cetera. But what's really nice about the job, too, is that there's the flexibility in it to assess community needs and to create partnerships and to be proactive when when needed and to you know respond to challenges when needed, too. You know, I think of the work that we've done on uh, you know in the climate space. 
Um, there's nothing in state statutes that says, you know, county government will watch out for our natural environment. County government will assess, you know, the threats to <laughs> humanity that that we can deal with. But, you know, for me, I've always been passionate about environmental protection and about climate change and renewable energy. And, you know, folks know that certain things are passions of mine and that we've been able to have some really nice accomplishments. But it's only because those issues are also passions of our entire community. You know, I, our community wants us out there protecting the natural environment and dealing with climate change. We've become a leader in the nation with that. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I feel so blessed is because not only have I had the opportunity to work in all these issues, I've had the opportunity to represent a community that cares about these issues and wants me to be working on them. Absolutely. And I, and I, I think your record reflects that uh, focus on the environment. So why do you think city politics sometimes gets more attention than county politics? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think people are just more aware of, and maybe it's inertia, aware of what city politics does. I mean, you know, the folks out there, you know, cleaning up the neighborhood streets and picking up the trash. Um, you know, when there's an issue in your community, you pick up the phone and, and call your alder. And I think with with the county, it seems a little less defined to people. And they might not, you know, fully understand everything we do, um, again, maybe because we are in so many different areas. And a lot of what we do is also in partnership with community-based organizations who we contract with, who are out there doing the work and people might not recognize or, or know that there's a, a county connection to that. But also, you know, not every community has a county executive um, and we haven't even always had a county executive. So in some ways it's, it's relatively new. Others don't have this, so they don't have this direct connection and they don't have someone as visible, you know, as someone in my position here is, um, you know, it's really usually something that only larger communities have. So why are you retiring? Well, <laughs> you know, I woke up one day, not literally one day, but, you know, I started getting to a point in my career where, you know, I realized I've been in public office for 27 years, 27 plus years, 12 plus, about 12 and a half now, I think, as county executive. And it just felt like it was it was time. You know, I feel like I've been blessed that I've been able to accomplish pretty much everything I've tried to I've wanted to accomplish. And certainly as county executive because of the opportunities it provides. And I'm in my in a place in my life where, you know, I'm, I'm just ready for whatever comes next. And I, you know, I don't think people should stay in public office just because they can. Um, I think, you know, every journey has a beginning and an end. And, you know, the, for me, this part of my journey um, feels like it's time for it to come to a close. My wife has been retired for the past three years, and it looks pretty good, um, <laughs> I have to admit. And and yeah, but I mean, it, it really boils down to, you know, I've done what I came to do, and I just feel like I'm in a point in my life where I'm, I'm ready to move on. So you are, uh, like you said, you're retiring, but that's happening uh some months away in May. Why not wait till your term was over? Because I'm ready to go now, you know, and I wanted to give plenty of time, you know, for the transition so I can, you know, take care of business here, give folks who might want to run an opportunity to figure that out for themselves and talk to their friends and families. And, um, you know, but when you're, you know, at a place where you're ready to move on, you know, kind of like, you know, some of my predecessors have, you know, Kathleen Falk left, um, mid her term too. And that's when I ran for office. So just, you know, 
life's, you know, personal timelines don't always align with political timelines. Um, so it just feels like the right time. The decision to leave in May is certainly setting up quite the election for county executive in November 2024 during the presidential election. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, there is a truly special opportunity coming this month. The Harry Whitehorse International Wood Sculpture Festival is running from June 14th through the 22nd, and it's a first-of-its-kind week-long celebration of contemporary and traditional wood sculpture and indigenous culture. It's named after the world-renowned Ho-Chunk sculptor and painter who lived in Winona, the late Harry Whitehorse. And it will be hosted at the iconic San Damiano Park, right on the shores of Lake Monona. The fest is inviting 12 international sculptors from countries like Peru, Germany, Ukraine, and more for a week-long artist-in-residence. And it will host demonstrations of live sculpture and Ho-Chunk arts and crafts, such as black ash basketry, porcupine quill art, and finger weaving. Plus, they've got live music and food. Plan your visit and learn more at harrywhitehorse.com festival. Kids are our future, right? And we all want to make sure that future is bright. That's why making sure that their bodies, minds, and characters are strong. Luckily, KidStrong coming to Sun Prairie might just be the answer. KidStrong is a national franchise that uses a science-based training program that focuses on character, physical, and brain development through weekly 45-minute age-based classes. And a pair of Sun Prairie parents are opening a new KidStrong location at Prairie Lake Shopping Center. Instruction is led by world-class certified coaches, and kids are taught everything from the importance of shaking hands to how to do a pull-up correctly. And 77% of parents in the program credit KidStrong with boosting their children's self-confidence. Interested? You can call or text 608-369-8866 or visit their social media at KidStrong Sun Prairie to learn more. The program opens in the next few weeks, and you can save money by registering today. So, uh, okay, so can you just explain what's ha what happens in the interim between May and November? Yeah, so when I leave, the um, county board chair will appoint an interim, and then there will be uh, an election that will be held concurrent with the fall presidential election, and then when that person wins, they'll be sworn in as county executive. So sort of like, you know, when Dave Mahoney retired recently and, and Calvin Barrett was appointed interim, and then there was an election that, that he obviously won, um, be similar to that. What do you think is the biggest challenge your successor will have to tackle? You know, the the the, the biggest challenge overall is always that there will forever be more need than there are resources to address the need. And, you know, one of the hardest parts of this job is that, you know, you become, you know, very aware of the challenges we face and you become aware of the limitations that we have to address them. And a lot of times that means you have to say no to friends and colleagues and people who have really good ideas and really good projects, but resources are limited. You know, we have obvious challenges, you know, many of which are, you know, the, the, the root causes are beyond our control. They're historically and nationally, you know, just driven by a momentum. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything about them. Um, but there's a lot to address out in the world. And, 
you know, to your point about the visibility of, you know, city government versus county, I think county government has become and is becoming more visible to folks. Um, but with that becomes, you know, the fact that county government funds things is becoming more visible to more people. And so the demand is always out there. So just figuring out those priorities and they change, you know, the priorities in five years will probably be, could be very well be much different than they are today just because of our evolving community and our evolving world. So, yeah. And so what that really leads to is a necessity to partner with other entities, be it other public entities or private or community based organizations and realizing that, you know, the, the, the big societal challenges that we face right now, be it homelessness, mental health challenges, addressing climate change, et cetera, no one entity can address all of those on their own. And so we have to work with other folks um, in order to, you know, pool and, 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 you know, use our resources in the most effective way. Well, and we've certainly seen that with the new men's shelter that is being built yeah. and CARES program. So you mentioned priorities and, and how difficult that is because you can't do everything. Um, do you have any regrets as Dane County's executive? You know, there's not like some big, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this differently or that differently as far as regrets. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of times I could have done a better job. I'm certainly... <laughs> not representing that that I'm a perfect human being who's been the perfect county executive. You know, we all we all do our best. But um overall I'm not I'm not leaving with regrets. I'm I'm leaving with a sense of just great great gratitude that I've been able to be in a position like this and meet so many incredible and incredibly caring people who make up this community. And it's one thing to say that when you're running for office, you know, I'm not running for anything, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna retire. And I, I can tell you it's, it's genuine. I mean, this community is so inspiring. We see it daily with, you know, the work of community centers and shelters and folks who are out there, you know, doing outreach for people who are experiencing homelessness on the street to all into, you know, again, looking back to natural disasters and the pandemic and how people in the community watched out for one another. So, you know, I, I don't really have regret. I have I have gratitude. All right. So tough talk time. Uh, it's very difficult to argue with your political popularity. You're, you've been elected four times to serve as Dane County's executive. You're not without your detractors, though, notably some county board supervisors over the years. Yeah. So, so summon, summing up these criticisms, um, I guess I put it something like uh, Executive Parisi expects the elected county board to be a, a rubber stamp for his agenda. What's your response to that? I think there's nothing like there's nothing unique about that dynamic. I think if you look to any elected body, when you have a, a legislative body and an executive branch, there's always going to be tension. I mean, I was in the legislative branch in the legislature, even when Governor Doyle was in, we were in the same party, but, you know, there was tension between the, the Democrats in the legislature and Governor Doyle. Um, I don't think you can escape it. You see it on the city level, the state level, the congressional level. I mean, even when President Obama was in, you know, I know people in, in Congress and, you know, they didn't like to argue publicly, but everyone, you know, <laughs> that relationship was not without tension. So, yeah, it exists. And, you know, as far as rubber stamp, county government and really any legislative branch is anything but a rubber stamp. I mean, I'm certainly always have and will put out there what I think my priorities are, 
introduce budgets that I think reflect the priorities of, of myself and the community. And if people in the legislative branch don't like it, I mean, they they certainly have the ability to change it. So earlier this year, the county board rejected Representative Sheila Stubbs, your pick to run the County Health and Human Services Department. If, if you could do that one over, what would you do differently? I think Sheila was and remains eminently qualified to do that job. I think she would have done an amazing job out in the community. She's very connected to the community. She understands needs. She understands the human services department. It's unfortunate that, you know, once it got before the legislative branch, the, you know, clashes that occurred and things that were said happened, but I think she'd be, she'd do a great job. Do you think uh, Representative Stubbs will run to replace you? I don't know. I don't know. You know, there's, uh, there are a lot of people, you know, considering this right now. Um, a lot of people have reached out to me. You know, I don't really at this point comment on any conversations I've had with anyone because I feel like it's up to the folks who are considering running to be public about what their thoughts are when they get there. Um, but I would expect we're going to have crowded primary. You know, like we mentioned before, this is Dane County. This is a position that is a very attractive position that doesn't come up very often. You know, I'll be here 13 years. Kathleen Falk was here 14, Rick Phelps 10 before that. So yeah, I think, I think it'll be competitive, but I really, but I don't have any insider info regarding anyone who is definitely decided to run. Right now. A Republican Dane County executive. Wasn't that long ago. Um, <laughs> so, and I agree with you. I think it will be a competitive primary. Do you see yourself endorsing in that race at all? Or I'm not sure. You know, I'm going to wait and see, keep my options open, um, see who runs, see what the dynamic is. Um, but, you know, at this point, I don't really have a position on it, but I'm just going to just going to wait and see. So what about controversies surrounding the Henry Vilas Zoo? Do you do you wish you would have done anything differently regarding the personnel issues involving the zoo's leadership? No. I mean, there are always going to be issues that come up. And, and and again, it comes back to your original question about, you know, having run-ins with folks on the board and the tension that that is there with some folks. It's just part of this job, right? Sometimes you're going to have disagreements with people. So as a younger man, you dropped out of high school to be a rock drummer, notably mm -hmm. with the band Honor Among Thieves. And then you went back to school in your mid-20s. You, you got your GD and eventually attended UW-Madison. Do you think you could have done that uh, in 2023? This is one area we need to continue to focus. You know, this is one of the reasons that I've been, you know, from early on in my career involved with organizations like Operation Fresh Start. Um, I was first sat on their board back when I was county clerk because I was drawn to them because a lot of the young men and women who go to Operation Fresh Start are in positions like I was when I was their age, right? And they're just looking for a second chance and sometimes a third chance. And what we find a lot of times with, with young people in that position is they have so much potential and so much life experience and so many problem-solving skills that are unique because of the adversity they've faced. And from my perspective, we need young people like that. We need them empowered and we need them to be able to succeed because we need them as young adults and adults because of the strengths that they can bring. Um, but yeah, it's not always easy. And especially if a young person, you know, I was fortunate enough, this didn't happen to me, but if, if a young person has been involved with the criminal justice system, that comes down on them really hard. It's harder to find a job. It's hard to find a, a place to rent. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to get an opportunity to go to school. 
And I think we need to be a lot more understanding of those situations um, because if we don't help those young people, um, I mean, no one benefits from that. So yeah, it's a passion of mine. I, I, I mean, I know that today as someone who raised a couple of daughters and one of my daughters went to UW-Madison, I, I wouldn't have been able to get into UW-Madison. Um, it's it's much more difficult even for kids who live here. Now, I did go to MATC first, and that path is still open, and that's a really valuable and important um, path. As, as you know from my history, you know my history pretty well, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly didn't set out early in my life to you know get involved in public service like this, but I'm really glad it worked out. Well, do you have any plans on how you'll spend your retirement? When's the last time you picked up some drumsticks? My wife was out of town last weekend, and I picked up my sticks and went down to the basement and tried to uh, start brushing up on some of my old riffs. Yeah, you know, we'll see. I, the day I announced that I was retiring, my old bass player texted me, time to dust off the drumsticks. So <laughs> I think this needs to happen. <laughs> I don't know that I'll be out there performing, but I'm definitely going to get together with the guys and uh, play a little bit. It, it felt pretty good. Dean County Executive Joe Prezi, thank you so much for your time and for your service. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That was Dane County Executive Joe Parisi. And here's what else Madison's talking about. A bill the governor will actually sign. Democratic Governor Tony Evers says he'll sign a Republican-backed proposal that would allow local election officials to process absentee ballots the day before an election. The measure is expected to speed up ballot counting so election results come in quicker. The bill has already cleared the state assembly with bipartisan support. The state senate still needs to pass it before the legislation is sent to the governor. And heads up commuters, John Nolan Drive will be reduced down to just one lane in both directions starting today because of several construction projects within the Monona Terrace Tunnel. The city expects this to create some nasty traffic backups on the major thoroughfare, especially during rush hour. The city is advising drivers to find alternative routes. All lanes of John Nolan Drive are expected to be reopened by Christmas. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Dylan Brogan. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this podcast with a county employee? If you don't know any county workers, ask me later. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then, 